evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Turn Left. I am your host, Indiana's own Dana Black, coming to you live. Yes, all the way live from Black Pearl Studios, where we talk about Indiana politics from the left side of things. Man, what an amazing night we had Tuesday night. Democrats all over the state winning elections, municipal elections. You know, we always say all politics are local. This was a clear indication that all politics are local because our municipal races, we won mayors and city councils and clerks and clerk treasurers in all corners of our state. I'm not even going to rant tonight. I'm just going to go ahead and bring my guests on so that we can dissect and break down this election cycle and the wins and losses and what we did right and what we could do better. So first up, my first guest, who serves as the communications director for our Indiana Democratic Party, Sam Barloga. Sam, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Dana. I Pleasure to be with you. I love it. I love it. And my new nephew. He's, 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 I call him my little nephew, but he's not really that little. Y'all give it up for the Indiana Young Democrats secretary, Jacob Barnes. Jacob, welcome to the show. Always a pleasure, Dana. Thanks for having me. I love it. Hey guys, let's just dive right on in. The biggest race in the state, obviously with the biggest city, is our mayor, Mayor Hogsett, winning a third term as mayor of this fan fantastic city he cleaned up sam what did it mean and what kind of work did we have to put in to make sure that we re-elected uh mayor joe hogsett well you know indianapolis on tuesday uh didn't just re-elect mayor joe hogsett they re-elected him overwhelmingly um to a third term uh, with a 60-40 margin, and this was despite a campaign where the Republican candidate raised at least $15 million um, in Jefferson Shreve. Didn't raise it. Actually, that's that, that's a wrong way to put it. Yeah. He, it was it was his own money. It was his, it was he found it in his in his uh, couch cushions. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, and Jefferson, you know, half a million dollars or half a billion there and and spent 15 million dollars of his own money trying to buy indianapolis and indianapolis showed it cannot be bought it will not be bought um and that it won't stand for someone trying to you know buy the mayor's office who wants to institute um you know wants to see a ban on abortion and, and wants to um you know loosen gun control laws because he's a member of the nra so indianapolis didn't fall for it didn't fall for his lies didn't fall for it. They knew what his record was. They saw it. We put it out there. And uh, and that's why they rejected him and, and reelected Mayor Joe. I know. And, and it was almost like he was one of those um, uh, unsolicited real estate broker people that call you and say, oh, do you want to sell your property? We There was no for sale sign out uh, in Indianapolis. But Jacob, you worked intimately with the mayor's office and, and intimately with the campaign. Talk about how your what your strategy was as a campaign to get out uh, and share the message about what Joe Hogsett was doing. You know, May, it was a it was a big night, like Sam said, right? Uh, Indianapolis elected Mayor Joe Hogsett to his third term for the Circle City, and it was largely because a lot of work was done, lots of boots on the ground, lots of phone calls made, text, and a lot of door knocking, right? But I mean, not just that; it's also Indianapolis chose a very different vision than what the Republican Party here in Indianapolis, in Indiana, yes, are trying to set out and achieve, right? They they said no to the status quo. 
They they said, yes, we want to continue and to see Indianapolis grow into this vibrant, progressive, thriving city. And they saw that with Joe in the last two terms that he had, right? Yeah. I mean, he has been, he has brought unprecedented investment into Indianapolis. And that's just not being seen in Indianapolis, right? That's the, that, that ripples out across all the Hoosier state. So, right, they saw his leadership. They have, that Mayor Joe is one of the hardest working public servants in Indiana. And he is all over, right? I mean, that guy is at event, 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 event. And it's that, it, that kind of leadership, it does inspire all of us who I work in his office and all of his volunteers and all of the people who are around him to also step up, to, to level up to that, right? Because that's what it takes to win elections. It takes knocking on doors. It takes those long nights at a campaign office. It talks. It takes having a conversation with friends and strangers on the street to say, yeah. hey, this local election matters. Absolutely. Matter. Absolutely. And you know what? One thing about Mayor Joe, he's not afraid to go anywhere. One thing, you know, Jefferson Shreve, as a Republican in Indianapolis, did the cardinal sin. He did not take into consideration the multiculturalness of Indianapolis and, and carve out his campaign to speak to the black community, the brown community, the LGBTQ plus community. He had a lot of videos. But if you notice, he never was like, he wasn't really in the commercials with the people. All he did was tokenize black and brown people. Guys, how did Jefferson Shreve not know that he had to speak? And that, yeah, I can't. I know, I know you can't get in the brains of Jefferson Shreve, but talk about the, the major flaw of his campaign and not speaking directly to the black and brown and, and other marginalized communities in the city of Indianapolis. Sam? Yeah, you know, I... I think that Jefferson Shreve made a big mistake. You know, he spent millions of dollars on his campaign and and uh, didn't address issues that were important to um, minority communities within Indianapolis, the most diverse city in the state of Indiana. Um, and it was one of the reasons why his campaign was rejected. You know, his record as a as a executive at Storage Express um, was that he couldn't name a single black person in the 30 years that he was that he owned the company that mm. he promoted to the executive board mm. um and it would have been you know if if he would have been elected mayor indianapolis knew that it that that they would have had a city hall that didn't look anything like indianapolis and and they made sure that that didn't happen absolutely jake yeah i think it, it goes to me the guy said in, in, a, in a debate that he doesn't see color Ugh. Well, you know, for me, that really aligns with the GOP here in Indiana. They want a very straight, wide, conservative way of life. Yeah. And we said, no, yeah. absolutely not. That's not how diversity makes us stronger. Yeah. It, makes us, it makes us wiser. It makes a, for more vibrant communities. And I think that we really full out rejected all of them. Absolutely. We, we want no parts of what's happening at the state house uh, in Indianapolis. Now, I, I felt like, honestly, he if he had won, which 
I'm gonna be honest. I was never worried because I, I still felt like even if he char uh, shaved off a few points, you know, Mayor Hawk said one was 70 percent of the, the votes last time. So if he shaved off a few points, we were still gonna get 50 plus one, right? But I was never worried. But it was it was it was almost like he would have been uh, the the locksmith. You know, Indianapolis. Our elected officials in Indianapolis have managed to keep the state house out of Indianapolis for so long with the supermajority on the city council when they wanted to take over our law enforcement agency. Can you believe that? I mean, the state already has a law enforcement agency. It's called state police, but they wanted to regulate IMPD. They, I mean, they were passed, they were wanting to introduce legislation to, every time they target a consolidated city, it's about taking control of Indianapolis. And I felt like he would have been the locksmith that would have just let these guys come in to Indianapolis and run roughshod over the great things our democratically led city has done we are the convention capital of the nation right we are other than vegas i mean but that's another that's another story um we, and, and we and we have conventions here all the time we hosted the super bowl we and trust me mayor hawk said was talking about we have the nba uh all-star game coming up in february and i guess some artist named uh what's her name taylor swift she's coming but all of the effort to make indianapolis a world-class city would have gone down the drain and what i really feared the only thing that i ever feared was that they would drain us they would bleed us because we are the economic hub of the entire state you know, all these rural areas, they, I love that they're, they're rural, but honestly, they're losing population. They're losing population and they're losing tax dollars. We're gaining population. People, Indianapolis is gaining population and we are, we are like a welfare, we, we provide funding to some of these other counties that can't actually sustain their municipalities. I was so afraid that they were going to bleed us dry take all of the resources out and then say, look, Indianapolis is terrible. Um, but I'm so glad that he won. Um, but, but just as important about Mayor Hogsett winning, oh, wow, let's talk about Lawrence, Indiana. Can we talk about the history maker? Can we talk about Deb Whitfield being the first black woman elected to run that city of, of, of Lawrence and how she and Mayor Hogsett worked hand in hand um, and they campaigned with each other? Talk about the significance, y'all. Uh, Sam, I'm gonna start with you. Talk about the significance of having Deb Whitfield as the first black mayor in Lawrence, Indiana. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I got the country kitchen on Tuesday, which is where Indianapolis Democrats held their um, victory party, um, I actually walked in right as Deb was coming up on the stage uh, to give her victory speech. And um, man, she's a rock star. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, she really connected with the community and not and, and, and she was part of a history making election that wasn't even uh, limited to herself. You know, across the country, we saw um, uh, new um, minority mayors win, uh, people of color uh, truly representing their communities. And in Indiana, not just in Lawrence, but we saw it in Evansville, uh, electing Stephanie Terry. Stephanie Terry flipped the, the largest city hall that Republicans controlled in the entire state, uh, became the first uh, black mayor um, in Evansville's history, uh, 100 years after uh, the KKK came out of Evansville to take over the state, try to take over the state a hundred years ago. I love um, it. So really, uh, you know, a, a turn on that. And, uh, and then up in Michigan city, Angie Nelson Deitch flipped the, the, the city council up there in a very diverse city. Um, and so we're making history. It isn't just Deb and it's not just limited to her, but she's part of a wave of history going through the state. 
Absolutely. Sure. I, absolutely. Jacob, you want to chime in on that? Yeah, I, I get it. It, it. it feels like we are at that, we're, we're at that history point, right? Like it's, it's like this, like this tide, right? And, and, and I'm really am excited and it invigorates me. And I know it's invigorating young people to, to see that when you're, when people go out to vote, that these are the outcomes that happen. And so I'm, I'm really excited to continue to, to continue that momentum into, you know, next year and in, 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 in Indiana's future. I love it. And you know what? Um, and not it's not just, you know, yes, three black women mayors in Indiana. Unprecedented. We only had one for a long time. Just one out of Gary. Just one. Karen Freeman Wilson. That was all we had. And now we have three, not just the black women. I mean, yes, it's fantastic that we have so many amazing black women who are elected, but we have more black and other minority people leading cities now. Uh, 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 Rob Roberson up in Elkhart was able to win his reelection. Anthony Copeland, he won election. And then, of course, over in uh, Vigo County in Terre Haute, one of the youngest elected mayors in the state of in, in the Indiana history, uh, Mr. Uh, Sackbon, Brandon Sackbon. Jacob, I'm gonna start with you. You guys had a chance to interview uh, uh, Brandon for your show, Mid Midwest Moments. Talk about what it means for young folks to see someone like Brandon uh, win an a, his election uh, in Terre Haute, Indiana. Yeah, I, th I, I'm, I think electing Brandon Sackbon to the mayor of Terre Haute really invigorates young people to say that is an that is someone who will lead with me in mind. Yeah. Right. It also I think will invigorate young people to say, hey, maybe I will throw my hat in the race. Um, I, I I really got to know Brandon pretty well and he is an A plus guy. You know, he's very intelligent. He's extremely hardworking. He's, he's a ranger. Ex, ex Army Ranger. He was a substitute teacher wow. while he was running his campaign, right? And he just has, he has a lot going for him. And Tara Hope now has a lot going for it. So I think it's an incredibly exciting time for young people, right? I mean, as IYD, we um, endorsed 17 candidates. Nine of them won their races, right? That's not the, that's not the amount that we wanted, but he was a, a, a big one for us. And we went down there, we spent some time with him and, you know, he has done an amazing job of, you know, invigorating um, Democrats in Vigo County and as well as the, the young, the yeah. young Democrats. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's it, it's trailblazing and it's exciting to watch. And I tell you what, the Terre Haute, we, you know, we, we've been talking about mayors, but there are also council seats on the race and we're going to get back to Marion County. But I want to stay right there in Terre Haute. They swept everything in Terre Haute. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how, I mean, Democrats, they showed up. So it just, it just proves someone at the top of the ticket can, it can reign supreme down the down ballot. I mean, I, I, they flipped everything. They took control of Terre Haute. Talk about the significance of having a Democratic supermajority running everything in Terre Haute and in other cities across the state. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's the impact when you have a candidate that is as um, inspirational as Brandon is that those effects are going to be seen down the ballot. Um, you know, Brandon made incredible history, ran an, an inspirational campaign. He's, his, his victory is going viral around the country. Um, you know, he, he was called by the vice president yesterday uh, uh, 
to wish him congratulations. They're both of uh, Indian Jamaican descent. Mm -hmm. Um, and on the council, you know, Terre Haute elected its first, uh, first black female to, to the city council on Tuesday night, uh, as well as sweeping uh, all the contested races there. So really historic night, um, led by an historic candidate. I love it. I love it. Um, so let's go back to Marion County. You know, um, you know, we, we lost one seat of our supermajority. We were 25, 22, five, and now we're 19 to six. But with the redistricting, there were actually three city county council seats that were up for grabs. And we got two of them. Um, you want to talk about Jared Evans uh, pulling it out and Nick Roberts, another young person pulling it out. Um, talk about the significance of holding on to that supermajority in Indianapolis, considering, uh, you know, the fight that we always have with the supermajority uh, at the state house. Um, Jacob, what, what does it mean to hold on to that supermajority here in, in, in Indianapolis? Yeah, it, it means that we're going to be able to continue the work that we are doing. It's going to be it means that we get to continue this progressive momentum moving Indianapolis forward into the 21st century, right? Being a tech hub uh, that was a federal yes. designation by, you know, President Biden and Vice President Harris. Um, it's gonna, it means that we get to maintain the, not maintain, but we get to continue to push forward into the vision of where we know Indianapolis can go. And I think that's very exciting. And, you know, there's gonna always be those five, six yeah. no votes yeah. on really common sense things, but it means that we're going to be able to continue to do the work that we've already committed ourselves to doing. And what does that, what does that say for you, Sam, when you, when you see that, you know, Indianapolis has been able to hold on to its supermajority? Yeah. You know, that, it, that it proves that um, not just Indianapolis reelecting to the mayor's office, but reelecting strong democratic leaders to the city council uh, shows that, you know, they want, Indianapolis wants the line of defense from the uh, from the bad policy coming out of the state house, mm -hmm. and that first line of defense is the mayor's office, and it's the city council. Yeah, um, and they're going to hold strong for the people of Indianapolis. Yeah, because while Mayor Hawkshead was out cutting ribbons on housing, which everybody I interviewed this year who was running for municipal races mentioned that housing, uh, the lack of affordable housing, was a big deal. While Mayor Hawkshead was out cutting ribbons on housing all over the city of Indianapolis, his opponents was talking were talking about dog shelters and raking leaves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's not going to get you a win. Uh, guys, so when you, you know, as the comms director of the state party, talk about how you were able to get messaging out, because there's a, there's a lot of different races and a lot of different areas of the state have different needs. How are you able to communicate with folks about how to communicate, how to get the messaging out? How, how did the state party work with these local candidates to get the messaging out? Is I guess what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know. All of these different races are each individual and they're all different in their own different ways. So we wanted all the candidates to keep their races local because they're not running the national elections. You can use national issues to your advantage sometimes, especially with your base, with volunteers, things like that. But at the doors and and um, and on social media and things like that, we wanted our candidates in local areas to keep 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 focus on local issues. And it paid off um, because these elections, these town elections, um, you know, the city and town elections aren't about, um, they aren't about the big divisive national issues. They're about paving potholes and yeah. turning on streetlights.
Yeah, yeah. Jake? Yeah, I, I think it, it it goes down to the, the vision of what people are wanting in their, to see in their communities. Um, and I think that you can see that from every every big win that Dems had. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't, you know, we didn't win them all, right? Let's let's take a look at Hamilton County real quick. You know, that was a big race that, that the, it was all over local media because, I mean, my goodness, Hamilton County is growing. Uh, and Miles Nelson ran an excellent race, but unfortunately he came up short. In fact, we kind of came up short all over uh, Hamilton County. Uh, you know, and and Dana Colbert, the, the, the Hamilton County chair, um, even with all these losses, she had a great slate, even though the candidates came up short. I saw people who live in Hamilton County who are Democrats say, I at least had a slate to run for. What can we learn from uh, the losses in Hamilton County, Sam? Yeah, um, I think it's important to remember that we just had a candidate for mayor take 42% in Carmel, something that would have been unthinkable a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And that the reality on the ground is even though we fell short in many of these races, um, we still had thousands more votes ever before than in, than in municipal races in Hamilton County and in both Carmel Fishers and, and also in Westfield. And um, on top of that, you know, these campaigns have helped the party there build an apparatus of volunteers, an apparatus of donors, an apparatus of activists who are ready to, to keep the momentum going uh, in the next year. Um, you know, the electorate next year is going to look a lot different than the electorate mm-hmm. this year just because of the nature of municipal elections. Um, and so despite, you know, what may be seen as a setback in some ways, it doesn't change our goals in Hamilton County next year to, to flip some state house seats there and, and to try to make some inroads um, in the presidential year. Well, and you know what? The young Dems had a strong, strong presence in Hamilton County. What, what was the motivating factor, Jacob, that got those young Democrats engaged up in Hamilton County? You know, I think it's it's the the urge to to say no to the status quo, to you know, to see themselves um, in the, in the elected office as well. Um, so I think there's you know a few reasons, but mm-hmm. I think in big, it's we just don't we don't like what is going on at the state house. Yeah, we don't yeah. anymore, and so and in some of our city halls. So I think that that really is a is a pool for a lot of the Hamilton County folks up there. Yeah, let's 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 shoot up to our second largest city up in Fort Wayne. Um, Mayor Tom Henry won an uh, an unprecedented fourth term. Is it fourth or it's fifth? I, I I've lost count at this point. He's been in office for so long. But we took some hits. We didn't get as many uh, city council seats. So Fort Wayne is a is kind of like a mix between what the good stuff that happened in Indianapolis and Evansville and Elkhart and Terre Haute and not what happened in Hamilton County, where we kind of almost got shut out. Uh, it was a mixed bag. Uh, Fort Wayne is one of those cities where we have got to stay engaged. It is our second largest city. Um, and you you know that the state house, that the way they targeted for redistricting, how important Fort Wayne is. Let's talk about what happened in Fort Wayne and how we uh, maybe can probably do. We know Sharon Tucker won her reelection. We know Councilwoman uh, Michelle Chambers won. Um, but we didn't pick up uh, the, the clerk's seat and we didn't uh, get any of those at large seat. Talk about what we need to probably do a little bit differently in Fort Wayne, Sam. Yeah, you know, I think um, first off, I want to congratulate Mayor Henry on on his uh, on his victory last night or victory Tuesday night. It's a very hard fought race. Um, 
actually the the dynamics of that race were very interesting because both the people knew each other. Actually, they had ran against each other for city council in Fort Wayne 20 years ago. Wow. Um, so kind of, and actually Didier beat Tom 20 years ago for council. So Tom kind of got him back on Tuesday. <laughs> you know, you know, Turn about way. fair play, baby. Yeah. Um, so I think in Fort Wayne, you know, we just need to keep engaging folks up there. Um, and we need to have better turnout. We need to, um, you know, meet people where they are and, uh, and, and, and just build more of a, of a, of a grassroots effort up there. I think, I think next year you're going to see a lot of that because we're going to reelect both of our state representatives in Fort Wayne, mm -hmm. um, Kyle Miller and Phil Giaquinta, yep, are, yep. Our, our leader. Um, and, uh, I think, I think that's going to, uh, give us success down ballot next year there absolutely and i was up for a couple of iyd events in fort wayne um there's a, again another community with a strong engaged uh young democrat organization up there talk about you know how we can empower them more i want to make sure that we give them the tools jacob to help uh, the young dibs i don't want them to be discouraged so you know what can we do to make sure that we uh empower the young folks up in uh fort wayne to, to stay with it yeah, I think for me, it just comes down to relationships, right, and, and, and communication with those folks who are on the ground up there doing it. Um, you know, I think sometimes it, the work is hard, the work yeah. is tough. Uh, and so I think just making sure that they feel supported and mm -hmm. that's, you know, on as the as the state org, we are really working to make sure that we have those relationships built mm -hmm. and those channels of communication open just for them to feel like they can call us up or send yeah. us an email and say, hey, can you guys come and do, you know, ask for help when they need. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's a big, that's a big part of our strategy. And I think that that's going to help, you know, see some, some roads being built on that road to victory. I love it. We, you know, we were able to accomplish a lot of good things uh, in Indiana, and I'm really excited about the direction that we're going to go in. And I'm looking forward to diving more into it. But I, first up, I got to go ahead and give a shout out to my sponsor, Bohm's Unique Boutique, who has been my sponsor for the entire uh, season. So let me give a shout out to Miss Bohm's Unique Boutique. Today's show is brought to you by Bohm's Unique Boutique. Click on the QR code. And for all Turn Left listeners, you can get a 10% discount on your order by using the code DEMOCRAT. Be sure to visit www.bohmsuniqueboutique.com. Um, they're seeing how Republicans govern, right? We don't have to bring national politics in or bring in um, in input from everywhere, but they're seeing how the, the Republicans are not able to govern, and it may not play you know it may not have anything to do with all the local uh, the local politics but folks are saying hey i'm i'm seeing your guy is not able to do a thing talk about sam when you when you guys are having these conversations about you know yes you want to keep everything local but you also want to make sure that folks uh, understand how to utilize what is happening in the national media yeah yeah absolutely um because you want to you want to engage your volunteers and engage your base on some of those things uh to help get out the vote um, and especially in places where, you know, we do better in even years like Indianapolis, like that, that was really important for Mayor Joe to, to engage with, uh, with the diverse population of Indianapolis, uh, to get as many people out to vote as possible. Um, but, you know, people need to, uh, 
you know, I think one of the reasons we did so well around the state was that people saw what's going on at the state house as well, and they don't want the leadership that they see at the state house or the lack of it. There, there, you know, the lack of leadership. They don't want to see that at their city halls as well. Yep, yep. You have any thoughts on that, especially from the, the young people's perspective? I mean, gosh, the, you got you see these clowns all over the country doing nefarious things. How are you, young folks, viewing that? Yeah, I'm just going to echo what I said earlier. It's the status quo, right? They've been doing that for um, for years. And to what? Yeah. Indiana is the, like, we come in last on so many things, right? And mm -hmm. so it, enough, enough is enough, right? Actually go in there and govern. They're, they're more focused on banning books from libraries than actually passing legislation that would help the health of, of Hoosiers, right? Yeah. Or they're too worried about censoring teachers in classrooms and actually increasing their, their wages, right? We have an incredible teacher shortage here. And yeah. so it, it's all about priorities and the priorities are not, they're not matching up with what the working people want. Working people policy. Absolutely. And I think that's why people bought into this election this 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 cycle because the policy the the, the visions that our candidates had aligned with the working people of, of Indiana. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you get, get out of the pockets of your ultra rich friends, right? Yeah. And I tell you what, you know, with Ohio now passing their referendum to legalize uh, cannabis use, that's Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, and Kentucky. All of our border states now have either decriminalized or legalized recreational use of, of cannabis. Indiana is sitting in the middle of all these different states, losing revenue. Yeah. We're like, a, I mean, it, it's just crazy when we yeah. think about, you know, saying we got to we, we're going to turn our tables and look at 2024. They just had a commission or a, a study this summer on uh, in the, at the state house on cannabis use and, and uh, legalizing recreational use. And they came up with nothing. Indiana right now is we're not even we're, no, we're not moving forward. We're not even going backward. We're not doing anything. And we're just allowing a lot of these other states, right, to come in because if people who want to participate and partake in, in the herb and the flower, they're going to go to now everywhere is two hours away. You can go and get exactly what you want legally. And the 5-0 can't watch every interstate in. They can't check every car in. Indiana is missing out. Guys, how important is it that we get some legislation on the books and start to legalize and decriminalize and legalize cannabis use here in the in, in indiana you know i i just think it's we are not even just cannabis right in, in so so many areas of, of policy i think hoosiers are starting to look around and say what like we we really are falling behind right and I, look at what michigan did right they were one of the first states in the midwest governor whitmer said we're going to pass marijuana and we're, i'm going to use every amount of tax dollar that we get from marijuana sale for our roads and what did she do she took the roads down seven feet deep and said you're never going to have to build this street again and that and that was not they didn't she didn't raise taxes a, a, a cent so right, we also have to look at the economic impact of it. The economic impact of, 
of just inactiveness, right? Or inaction, right? Of, of doing nothing. And I think for young people, it, it's really waking us up and saying, okay, we actually need to, we need to care, we need to engage, and we need to change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sam? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just piggyback off that. Um, and, uh, and I'll say that, you know, I've been listening around the state, and one of the things that we're going to be messaging on over the next course of the next year that's really, really important is the fact that all of our neighbors get to decide on issues like these directly. Mm -hmm. Got to go to the ballot box and decide yeah. on these issues directly. We want to hear from the people directly. Republicans don't. No, not the at Republicans all. Republicans don't because they're a super because their super majority is instituting minority policy on people. Minority supported policy. Absolutely. And this is another example of it. What's going on uh, with cannabis and with uh, women's health freedom, which were on the same ballot in Ohio on Tuesday and passed by very similar margins. Um, so people in Indiana want to have that choice. We don't have the ability to do that right now. And the best way we can do that is by breaking the supermajority and electing more Democratic state legislators, protect women's health freedom and to protect uh and and to and to end the complete prohibition on cannabis in this state. Absolutely. And I, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I'm just gonna like yes to that. To that Sam. Thank you for bringing that up because that is so important, right? We can talk about these mayoral races, right, and these council races, but the importance of breaking their trifecta—they are their stranglehold on our state—is going to keep us in the 1800s. Mm -hmm. Let them just continue to do what the, the status quo of, of not passing progressive policy, not actually passing working people policy. They want to keep it how it is. They want to keep the door shut. And, and that we, exactly what Sam said, we have to break their trifecta. That means that electing more House of Representatives, electing more state senators. We have to do that in every district in indiana uh, that's exactly right i mean and rick santorum is it, he said the quiet part out loud this week when he said you know it's these ballot initiatives you know they got to get a handle on those they're a little i mean we i watched ohio they passed legislation in the the, the chamber that said we're no longer going to have any more august elections and then when they saw that the, they tried to challenge the 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 uh, reproductive health care ballot initiative they tried to challenge it in the courts and the courts were like no they did everything that they needed to do to get on the ballot well then while they thought people were sleeping they they threw an august election to change the rules on how ballot measures get passed from a simple majority to a, a super majority they, they needed to be 60 percent right because they knew they had about so many nefarious things because like you said they don't want the people to have a say mm -hmm. and until indiana can change our constitution we're going to be in trouble so we've got to be so focused so laser focused in making sure that we are electing um people so sam as we look forward and we think about you know 2024 i i know a lot of people are still in the afterglow of of, of tuesday night because i kind of am right i'm still feeling good but We've got some major, major races. First up, and I know people want to talk about US, U.S. Senate, that's fine. But to me, the most important race is our governor's race. Whew. Mm -hmm. 
And there's already a bunch of clowns, I mean, a bunch of Republicans <clears throat> that are wanting to run. What is the, how are we planning to target a message to people that we need to reach out to? We've got to get into rural Indiana. We've got to go talk to people about, you know, how our leaders are going to better their lives. How do we begin having those conversations? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that we've done in the past that has been uh, successful in starting to break down um, some of those challenges is having tours go around the state. And we're going to continue that again next year. Um, I want to do a tour around breaking the supermajority, uh, going to places that that where uh, where we can flip state house seats, seats next year, mm -hmm. engaging with volunteers, engaging with donors, engaging uh, with candidates that we're going to have in those places. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, on a statewide level, the governor's race next year is going to be incredibly important. It's open governor's seat. Um, and the people that are running for governor are not serious about being governor. You know, we see Mike Braun um, won't even vote for any bill to keep the government open, uh, was basically advocating for the U.S. to default on its debt. Mm. Um, and he... Um, and, and he wants to be our next governor, right? You know, have those responsibilities around the finances of the state. Um, and then obviously, uh, you know, we've been trying to message a lot uh, to low and middle class Hoosiers on Suzanne Crouch's proposal to get rid of the income tax, because it's something that sounds good on paper, but it's something that would be a disaster for working class Hoosiers because it would lead to an extreme rise in the sales tax. So your wealthiest 1% in, in this state would save tens of thousands of dollars in the tax bill every year, while the poorest 20% in the state would pay hundreds more in taxes because sales tax would need to go up. Right, right. Jake? Um, I think we need to really focus on looking at democratic areas of Indiana and making sure that we are investing our energy in those areas to get people to the polls mm -hmm. um and then also looking at those areas and when i'm talking about like house districts and state senate races to then where in those districts do we need to focus mm -hmm. because there is a time and energy is a thing that we have a finite amount of. Mm -hmm. And we, I think have not been successful in the rural areas. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is there, we need to listen to that. And I think for me, it's difficult to see that we keep on trying that over and over again with the same outcome. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, we kind of have to get, we have to think outside the box and where we're focusing our energy and who we're, who we are targeting into to one to, to um, get registered to vote mm -hmm. and to then vote Democrat. But I think I think something else that we have to do that that uh, I think will be beneficial to um, encouraging us uh, to or, or to encouraging people to to hear us differently. I don't I think we have to like be consistent in these communities. We can't just kind of show mm -hmm. up like I think um, like in August thinking that we are going to make any headway in convincing folks that our policies are better. I think we need to be 
in these communities all of the time. Like if, and I've said it before, you know, we need to be like the Boy Scouts. You know, you go into the community, you help communities before you start asking for things, right? Mm -hmm. you, you show up and, and, then, and then when you're there, you know, they'll see you as just a regular, another somebody, right? That just happens to care about the community, that happens to want to help, that happens to want to do things in a positive way, right? And then we can start to, then they can start to see, because right now we got a bunch of people or who really believe that we're at war with each other. We really have people out here believing that fellow Americans are their mortal enemy, right? Their mortal enemy. And we have to show them like, no, that's not it. We're not your mortal enemy. We actually want to try to help you improve your life right and so some of that is is us having to be consistent in in talking to people and being more open and uh engaging um and showing up in places that we normally wouldn't show up and that's it's the same thing with going in black and brown communities right one of the things i tell people is if you you know if you if spanish isn't your second language or isn't your first language and you're going to go talk to a community Make sure that you are recruiting people that, that are already in the community. Don't try to go in and tell them what they want. Find someone who's in the community and let them speak. Empower them to speak. Give them the tools they need to be the leaders in their communities. And I think we can do amazing things. I remember going up to Cass County and, um, not Cass, was it Cass? No, it was, ah, it was somewhere just like northeast of, uh, Fort Wayne or just south southeast of Fort Wayne. I can't remember. Not Cass County. But I went into this community and, you know, they wanted me to come in and talk about, you know, um, how we how they could be better. And when I drove in, I saw, like they told me, you know, it's like it's just gonna be a bunch of white people. And when I drove in, I saw a soccer field full of young Hispanic men, Latino men playing soccer. And I'm like, have y'all not talked to them? Have y'all not reached out to them? There's a whole soccer field. Why aren't you reaching out to this community? And if you don't, if you can't do it, we have a whole Latino caucus for you to reach out to for resources and for, for them to come in and speak to that community. So uh, we have to do the same thing in rural America. That's why I'm so excited about, you know, people in rural Indiana saying, you know what? I'm not afraid. You know, the maggots don't scare me. I'm a run. And I, I just love that folks are trying to do that. All right, let's switch, switch gears a little bit. And I want to talk about uh, Midwest Moments uh, that, that you guys and IYD are working on. Talk about, Jacob, talk about Midwest Moments. <laughs> yeah, so Midwest Moments is a uh, IYD's podcast. We're working with Dana. She's helping us produce it uh, to kind of elevate the issues that are on the youth's mind uh, and to really get our, get our take on it and to really kind of elevate the, the issue. Uh, and we're talking uh, all kinds of different things. Um, we're bringing, we're going to have a bunch of different voices come on and it's kind of just a conversation very similar to this. Uh, and I uh, have had some really good conversations. As Dana said, we uh, had Brandon on there before he was mayor. <laughs> Might have to bring him on as he's now mayor. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's just going to be a, a place to 
elevate that youth conversation. I love it. And what what was the what was the brainchild behind it? Why 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 podcasts? I think we were more so just you know accessibility and also to have a wide reach in the conversation um, and also to get people energized uh, to you know to, to see that young people who are like minded and who want to see a more progressive Indiana are having those conversations and are doing the work to make that happen. So. I love it. It's Sam, do you think the party will ever have a podcast? <laughs> um, so I, I don't. And the reason why is because I want to support podcasts like yours <laughs> um, that are doing well around the state. You know, we've added your, your podcast and two others actually to our new website. I uh, didn't know that. To get more engagement. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So if you go to our new website, indems.org. Um, and you click on, oh my uh, gosh, surprise, surprise, surprise. Yeah. That is so dope. Oh, wow. I didn't, well, thank you. Okay. Well, Indiana's own is here. Turn left is here to make sure all the messaging from our state party gets out. I'm, you just, I'm tickle pink. I mean, cause I've been doing this for so long and it's like, you know, you, you, you're trying to do the best you can. I love that. Thank you for the support. Well, good. Of course. Well, then that means I'm about to have you on a little bit more, especially when you have something that you need to get out. Right. Mm-hmm. We, got, we got to get that messaging out. So when, when Sam, when did, tell us a little bit about your background and, and uh, what brings you to Indiana to, to work in the party in the comms? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a lifelong Hoosier uh, from the region, um, two and nine. Uh, grew up in Crown Point uh, in Lake County. Uh, I live in Gary now. Um, I love Northwest Indiana. Um, and that's always given me a passion to want to be involved in politics here to try to make the area better. Um, so in 2016, my first political job, I worked for John Gregg and he ran for governor as an organizer in Maryville. And then in um, 2018, I took actually a semester off of school to work for uh, Chris Chung oh. out, out of college. I went to Ball, I went to Ball State. Um, Chris flipped the state house race in, uh, <laughs> in, in, in Westlake County, West Central Lake County, um, uh, in 2018, he won by just 82 votes and, uh, he was the first Asian American ever elected to the Indiana state house. So, um, that's kind of my background. I've also worked for Jim Harper, who was our candidate for secretary mm-hmm. of state and ran for Congress. And I worked for the Indiana house Democrats, uh, official side their caucus at the state house working with all our legislators there um as an intern in 2022 okay and do you have a communications background yeah so i i um i my background in politics is more on field but secondly it's on communications because i originally wanted to be a journalist um so i've done a lot of sports writing and i've done a lot of political columns in the past but i i was the assistant sports editor for our for our uh, uh college newspaper at ball state the daily news well, I got to tell you, I have liked what you've been putting out. I've been seeing it, it the, the tone, um, your social mm-hmm. media presence has been amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I think it, it was one of the better. This said this cycle was really good. The, the content was good um, and it was and it was uh, it had joy in it. Right. It wasn't. Yes, we're going to highlight, you know, what they're doing. But you had a lot of joy. Were you intentional in making sure that there was joy in, in communicating with the people? Yeah, especially on Tuesday night. You know, we wanted to be joyful about these flips, not just congratulatory and 
and put them all together in one statement. We wanted to have different statements out for each of the different um, each of our different historic candidates that won in Evansville, Lawrence, Michigan City, um, and Terre Haute. Yep, yep. And so we did that. We had a strategy on Tuesday night, um, and we wanted to let as many Hoosiers know through as many outlets as possible that um, that we had a really good night and that 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 they that they might have a new Democratic mayor or Democratic counselor uh, in the new year. That's exciting. So, you know, Jacob, where, what is with you? Where you come from? What brings you to be the secretary of IYD? No, I just want to real quick. Sam, I'm so excited that you are in this position. You know, I I, I really echo what, what Anna has said. I, I think that you've done a great job. And I think that we need you and your energy to continue to elevate the Democratic voice here and to, you know, move the needle. So continue the good work. Thank you for all that you do. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, where do I come from? I, uh, so I actually am an actor by trade. <laughs> um, I went to... Not with that beautiful I, face. What? Thank you. I still act sometimes, uh, you know, if, if I can juggle it all. Uh, I actually went to Butler University. I was a pre-med major. And then I was there for a year. I loved Butler. Go Bulldogs. Um, but then I was like, I think that I, I want to pursue being an actor. And so I went to the, I was an acting major at Ball State, um, graduated there and was in Chicago for a few years doing that, um, pursuing that full time. And then COVID hit and mm-hmm. sent me to my room and said, what do you really want? Right. Mm-hmm. And I, while I was at Ball State, I was very active. I was more in social justice activism. I was a part of a social justice group. And um, that's actually how I met James Wells, who is the current president Mm -hmm. of IYD. He was uh, a student body president and I was the president of that organization. And we worked a lot together. He was more on my fast side and I was the more one like doing marches and, you know, doing sit-ins and all of that jazz. Um, Like I organized the the anti-Trump rally in 2016 at Ball State. Um, And that was always a big part of me, even in Chicago. And then I, you know, COVID and I, that wasn't like something I was making a priority in my life. And um, I really had to ask myself, what does my impact want to be? How can I use the gifts that I've been given um, in regards to how I interact with people and how I can, you know, effectively lead um, movements to, um, have it more focused on my home state of yeah. Indiana. So I grew up in Frankfort, Indiana, and uh, was you know in Indianapolis briefly. Um, and, and 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 we we need we need more young people. We need more you know democratic voices to kind of elevate our messages. So um, I I came down here and I served in the AmeriCorps on the Indies Promise Zone. And then I found my way and I now work in Mayor Joe's office as one of his neighborhood advocates, advocating for the, um, a large part of that same neighborhood. Which, which neighborhood so, do you have? I have the Near East Side. Okay. So, yep. So, what, uh, like, uh, like Keystone? The Near East Side. Keystone North Side. Well, I mean, no, like, uh, what, what, like 38th Street or? Yeah, that's, that's near northeast oh you like like woodruff place yeah okay okay and i live in my area as well i live in holy cross area which is just right out you know the the first neighborhood so um it's a it's the 
It's the highest densely populated area of Indianapolis. Lots of houses, lots, it's, it's, it's all neighborhoods. So I have around 40,000 people who I advocate for um, in regards to all sorts of things. I also have the 46201 zip code, which a lot goes on there. So I get everything from, um, you know, from, you know, gun violence, all the way to someone stealing someone's trash cart. Right, right, <laughs> right. It's a lot of things, um, but there's a lot of beautiful things happening here in Indianapolis, and I'm excited to be a part of that. But then also within my with IYD as the secretary, I get to see more of Indiana mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of really open that that lens. And that's definitely a, a, a big priority for us as an or, as a young organization is to see ourselves outside of just Indianapolis. Right? Oh, absolutely. Our, our leadership is here. Um, some of uh, our CD and we have our CD chairs, right? But it's how do we like bring that democratic energy that we have in Marion County to those those smaller areas in, in Indiana and all of Indiana. I love it. And I see and I love the saying that you're still in the region and you're up there doing the work because people I, I tell people all the time, you know, if you want Indiana to go blue, you better go up to Lake County. You, you better <laughs> go spend some time in Lake County because it turnout is the difference. Because honestly, it take think about it. Some of these counties have maybe, you know, ten thousand registered voters. Ten thousand in some of these counties. Indi- Indianapolis, we got over six hundred thousand. It's about we we could have we have six hundred thousand residents. We don't have that many registered voters. Unfortunately, I need to get more people registered. But I'm just saying we can get people turned out. We can do these things. And I love that you're in Lake County because people try to just throw away Lake County. And I don't get it. Like that is such a vibrant community with culture and history, you know, and, and I love that you're still up there and you're you're working to elect some folks. And then of course, we're gonna tip our hat to mayor elect Eddie Melton. Of course, you know, that was the, the primary was the race up there, but- uh, Eddie Melton got 90, over 95% of the vote and he had an opponent. Oh, he Republican. had an opponent? Yeah. I didn't know he did. I thought he, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't see that. Well, I guess I, you know, I just, I just knew after the primary it was done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Republican candidate for mayor of Gary got three, less than 350 votes. Well, like, I mean, everyone, if they feel the need, they should just go ahead and put their name on the ballot. You yeah. know, there's nothing wrong with running. There's nothing wrong with running, but I, but it's exciting to see a two-term Senator take over, take over his home city. I'm excited about, and then Lori Latham. I love her to death. City council. That's Counsel- my city councilwoman. What? Lori Latham is yeah. just, I love, 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 love her. I got to give a shout out to my LGBTQ plus community, uh, Indiana Stonewall Democrats. We, we elect, we uh, endorse some candidates um, and not everybody won. But I got to get a shout out. Uh, my partner, my love, uh, she won her reelection for Bloomington City Clerk, but she is no longer the only woman of color, the only black woman uh, elected in in the state of Indiana because Bianca Tirado up in South Bend is now another LGBTQ plus black woman elected to city clerk in South Bend. So, Nicole, you got some company. Uh, now we did lose uh, a, a, a history maker in Veronica Pedral uh, d- down in uh, Putnam County. She lost her seat, uh, our first trans elected in the entire state, and she lost by I think twenty three votes. So you know we win some, 
we gain some and we lose some, but I've already heard, you know, Veronica's on a mission. She, she's not done yet. Jacob, you know, our community um, struggles sometimes to get some representation. What do we need to do to get more LGBTQ plus fucks uh, interested in politics and getting them engaged in the Democratic Party? Help me. I was going to say this actually, like, what I was going to, I was like, going to say that I'm going back to my statement about, you know, Sam's going to be leading this, like our party into, I feel like, what is this like new age? And I think it's messaging. I think it's messaging, right? It, it really does come down to that, not even just within our community, but I think it's even more so important to our community. Yeah. Because the, you know, an organization that is, is, making those statements is that it has an effective uh like through line in, in what they're trying to get across that we're all on the same page right and i think it's that's that's it's a great question right because um i don't i mean we were just at the 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 indie pride event the other day and um, they, they're having, they had a, just a community event and it was uh, free food and they were just feeding the neighborhood. So congratulations, Indy Pride. Um, and, and you can see people understand the importance of, being, of, of voting, mm -hmm. but gosh, the idea of saying, hey, will you run for office? You can just see them go, like someone told them they gotta have a root canal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I was a part of that. I saw that conversation. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, you know, I think that there's an aspect of it, right, where a lot of our community is still, we are still, you know, within a state that all these bills really impact the the, the feeling of, of of your worth, right? Like, and I think that for some of our community, that has taken a toll yeah right I mean, like not even just within our community mental health all across yeah. america and especially in the hoosier state it's not that great and so right i think that we have to i i think we we need to make sure that we are supporting that community mm -hmm. and uh all, all i can all i can do is my part and all i can do is you know try to support others um you know, yeah. being a part of that community and as well as, you know, Dana, I love seeing you there. Um, I can just continue to hopefully inspire and, yeah. and, and just bring joy, right, yeah. Yeah. to that community because they because we need it. Absolutely. And we, we've got to fight bad legislation because I can, you know, I can see they are going to continue to try to, you know, marginalize our community try to turn us into some type of foreign object to, to fear, you know, uh, one last thing I want to talk about before we get out of here. Um, something that we saw all over this, uh, the country in Iowa, we saw it, we saw it in Ohio moms for Liberty candidates were losing these lot of school board races. Now, moms are, there was a big, it was a big to do with the Hamilton County, the, the Carmel mayoral race, uh, you know, moms for Liberty are, are trying to go out and bully people. And they, and unfortunately they were Indiana school board, but around the country, we're seeing that people are rejecting this book banning idea and not being able to tell rich stories from multiple perspectives. Do you think maybe we might be able to, you know, 
get some get some school we don't have school board races up uh in 24 do we i don't i don't i don't think a lot of them but we might, might have a few but i'm seeing yeah, i think different parts of the state do it differently so yeah 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 so it, uh, I, i'm i'm taking some hope in the fact that in ohio and in iowa and other places around the country they see moms for liberty and they're like we don't want no parts of that. We're not banning books. We're going to we're going to do things the right way. We're going to fully educate people and their candidates, their endorsed candidates lost. Uh, not all of them, but quite a few of them. So you guys, there's still hope in America, right? There's still hope. We're not going to let the Speaker of the House get us down. We're not going to let uh, the, the terrible Jim Banks get us down. We're not going to let Mike Braun get us down. We're going to keep showing up. And with people like Sam who is handling the comms for the state party, and Jacob, who is an integral part of IYD and, and recruiting young people to be engaged. I'm telling y'all, Indiana Democrats, we are in great shape. We are in great shape. All right, so next week, I'm going to bring on someone who can talk to us about getting involved in the Biden campaign. He is looking to recruit volunteers. Guys, you don't have to work every weekend. You don't have to work. You know, you can do like one weekend a quarter to help get signatures out. Well, you got to work a little faster to get Biden on the ballot. But we need to get Biden on the ballot here in Indiana. Um, and, I, and whoever else is going to run, you know, if you see somebody out, collecting signatures sign the petition it doesn't matter where you whether you want to support them or not and i mean democrats i'm just saying democrats sign the petition so if you see uh, any of the senatorial candidates out collecting signatures sign the petition if you see any of those gubernatorial candidates out sign the petitions because that's how they get on the ballot if they're doing the work then you go ahead and put your signature on it right if you're in that county put your signature on it so we got to get biden on the ballot as well you know, I'm not sure if he's going to get our our 11 little electoral college votes, but let's try to give them to him. Right. We can we can flip it. So look no. for those things. Um, guys, before I go, one one last shout out. What was the most satisfying moment for you on Tuesday night? Uh, Sam, go first. Yeah, um, I think it was I think it was Stephanie winning. Um, Stephanie you know, Terry. Yeah, Stephanie Terry and down in Evansville and hearing from from their team, you know, you know, Stephanie p posted a very powerful photo campaign photo of uh, of her looking at the wall of all the all the mayors of Evansville of the past, and all the white men, um, <laughs> including including where the, you know, the KKK, um, you know, took over the state a century ago. And now we and now Evansville's elected its first black mayor. And I the KKK it. took over a state from Evansville a century ago. I love it. That's a great story. Jacob, what is your favorite uh, moment of the of the of Tuesday night? Hmm. I know there were so many. There were so I many. Know. So many. <sighs> Can't have dead air, bro. I know, yeah. So I think it's I, I think the first place my mind goes is just honestly the state as a whole. Okay. And I in the in the in the I would call it a wave. I would call it a blue wave um in a lot of these elections. So I think that that gives me a lot of hope um and um excites me for what is to come. Um and it kind of invigorates me in the work that I'm doing um right now. I love it. I love it. And let's see, I think the the best thing for me uh was the fact that three black women and i we had four black women 
on the ballot. We also had uh, Ms. Groff up in Peru, Indiana. She did not win her race. But I had the chance to interview all four of those women. Uh, and I got to, I've gotten the chance to know them. Um, Deb Whitfield, I've known for a while because she lives in, in the same county. But I mean, I, people always talk about black women are the backbone of the party. Um, but, but when we support them, that's when you know, that's when we feel appreciated that the work that we're doing, I had a conversation with Nicole and, and she was sometimes, you know, we get frustrated, like we're out here doing the work and, and we're representing our community. We're representing our party. And sometimes it doesn't feel like, you know, certain individuals within our community are, are supporting us. But when you see black women get elected, you know, they didn't do it by themselves, right? It takes a, a community. And I just love knowing that my party, my party embraces diversity at all levels and we are working hard to elevate voices that have traditionally not been elevated so for me that was my thing all right i'm gonna stop talking guys i get so excited about election season but it's not over it's time to gear up people got to get petitions turned in filing deadline is only a few months away it's in mm. february it's not that far away so guys if you want to run for office contemplate it talk to some friends call me well text me and then let's let's chat about it and let's continue to move indiana forward let's continue to work hard to elect more democrats so that we can live in the state that is reflective of the love light and joy that we have for everybody so i will see y'all next week in the meantime i'll holla peace Turn Left is the property of Black Pearl IT Solutions. Executive producer, Indiana's own Dana Black. Music by www.binsound.com.